Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Brittany Dixon. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. Brittany Dixon. So she is actually a stay-at-home mom to two sweet girls. She has an amazing blog. That's kind of where I discovered her. She does a lot of meal planning, meal prepping, um, She's also going to be homeschooling her oldest daughter coming in August. Uh, So that's something that we talked about as well. Um, We talked about snacks for kids and if we think it's a good idea. And um, just kind of how to stay positive in the rough days of being a mom because there are some tough days and we talk about um, mommy timeouts. So it was a really awesome interview. Um, She's super positive, uplifting person. So I hope you guys enjoy. So without further ado, here is today's interview with Brittany. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. And I am here today with Brittany Dixon. And I am excited because we're going to kind of chat about motherhood and meal planning and healthy food. And she's a stay-at-home mom with two girls. And I am really excited to get to know a little bit more about you, Brittany. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So can you go ahead and you've started a blog. So that's kind of where you got your foot into the door, I guess, in the online world. Can you tell us a little bit about your blog and how you got started? Absolutely. So I actually started as a health coach. Oh my goodness. I guess it was probably about 10 years now ago. Oh. That sounds crazy to say. But um, I had my own health coaching company where I did metabolic testing and developed individualized nutrition plans. And then I worked with people one-on-one to help them reach whatever their particular goal was. And during that is when I had a lot of questions from people that were curious how I made the balance work, how, like what I ate during the day and when I found time to exercise. So that's how the blog started was actually mostly for my clients. And again, that was probably seven years ago that I started the blog. And back then it was a three times a day, I would hop on and write oh my about gosh. what I ate. And I mean, looking back now, it's one of those, you know, kind of hang your head in embarrassment, but <laughs> um, that's kind of how it started off. And then when I had my first daughter, let's say that was in 2011, I closed my company to stay at home with her, but I kept the blog going because it had kind of taken on a life of its own. And I just loved it as a connection point to other moms and then also to be able to kind of talk health and fitness and healthy food, which is all the stuff I'm passionate about. And from there, it kind of took on its own life. And um, here I am still doing it seven years later. Mm, That's awesome. So how old are your girls? Haley is five and a half and Caitlin just turned three. That's, that's fun. Um, So when you started this, did you ever kind of you know, as you said, kind of looked back at some of your early work and cringed. <laughs> Can you just tell us some of the evolution? Because I've been in the fitness industry for about 10 years as well. And I actually just wrote a little post to my newsletter, subscribers about this and just how much I've changed. And I'm sure you probably have as well. What has been some of kind of the eye-opening evolution that you've seen in the last 10 years? Absolutely. It has definitely changed over time as my life has changed. And so it started off heavily as a food diary slash informational article. So I would write about um, shoot, I'm trying to even think, but different diet styles, different food products that I was trying and things like that. It was very informational based. And then as time got on, I heard the advice one time to always write a blog that you would want to read yourself. Mm. And so I really am drawn to personal connection on blogs and I like to hear how people make things work in their own life. So I started writing more like that. So over time it's evolved from really me kind of spitting out information at people to just showing how I take the things I'm interested and passionate about, like 
healthy eating and meal planning and motherhood and raising kind girls and all of that. Um, and just showing my approach to it rather than really kind to trying to preach or anything like that, just almost showing what works for us. Mm, yes. I like those as well. I mean, just that blog format, cause it's kind of fun just to see what other people do and you're like, okay, I like that. That could work for me, you know, rather than, Hey, this is the only way to do it. Yes. That's how I picked up so many like fun cooking tips is just watching how other people cook and, and what they make and, and, and taking that to my own life. Do you still blog on there three times a day? Oh goodness. No. <laughs> It's, it's slowly cut back over time. Um, I've gone to five days a week to four days a week, and now I'm starting at three days a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because I was finding I wasn't having the time now with two young kids to put um, the quality information I wanted to put into posts. And so now I feel like three days a week is actually a great setup for me. Yeah. I mean, in three days is still quite a bit. And I've stopped kind of blogging. I just transitioned more to my podcast the last couple of years now. And, you know, at first I was kind of doing a blog and then a podcast every other. And then I'm like, you know what, for me, I'm like podcasting. I liked better. So I kind of dove into that. And it's just, it's a lot of content. It's a lot of work to have to do that. So I can only imagine, you know, having to keep up with it even three days a week with little ones. <laughs> it is, but I, I really, really enjoy it. I feel really grateful to be able to connect with people through the blog and write about things I'm passionate about and have it become as big of a part of my life as it is. So, mm. so can we talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you um, chat about in your blog? So healthy meal planning for busy moms. So that's kind of the first one that I know a lot of us struggle with is what are some tips that you have just kind of like everyday stuff that has you found works for you? I totally geek out over meal planning. So feel free to cut me off if I keep going. <laughs> no, I love it. I think everyone needs like, this is one of the things that I have a lot of people ask about, like, how do you do this? So I would love to hear from you. <laughs> it's just made such a difference in my life. So especially since having kids, I feel like before I could stop by the grocery store if I needed to, but that's just not possible now. So I plan for a whole week. So what's most important, I think, is just to carve out the time to sit down for about an hour and do it. And an hour sounds like such a long time, but really it's going to save you so much time during the week. At least it saves me so much time that it's totally worth it. So everyone's day is different. I try and um, shop for one whole week at a time. And so right now I do my planning on Wednesdays because I'm part of a CSA and the pickup is on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So that way I can write down all of our meals for the week. Then I pick up our veggies on Thursday at the CSA and head up the grocery store either that day or on Friday, and I'm ready to eat for the whole week. Mm -hmm. So let me see. My actual tips. A meal planning notebook is by far Ooh, uh, I like that. my favorite idea, which it's just, I mean, there's nothing special. I haven't bought one. It's an old, you know, three-ring binder. Yeah. But I write down all the days of the week. And so I write down dinners for each one of those days and also write down options for lunch and breakfast as well, just to make sure I'm buying enough food. And I have certain rules I follow, like no more than one new recipe a week because I look at Pinterest and get really excited. I do too. <laughs> but then real life happens and I'm not going to sit down and make these gourmet, you know, hour long fancy meals every night of the week. Mm -hmm. So one new recipe a week. And then I also always make sure one meal is what I call a a wiggle meal, which is one that has like very few perishable ingredients. So if it needs to be saved until the next week, it can do that and you're not wasting food. Because a big thing for me is like, I really hate wasting food. Mm, that's a really good idea. 
So, you know, need all the perishable foods first. So things like ground beef or bean-based meals, like vegetarian meals, I feel like they last longer. Mm-hmm. But fish kind of, you know, I want to eat fish on the day I buy it. So that's always the start of the week for us is a yeah. fish or a fresher meal. Oh, I like that. I've not even thought of that, the wiggle room, because I always... I plan, um, I kind of do the same thing. I plan out my dinner and my lunch and what happens usually by the end of the week, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I had leftovers that I didn't think I would have. And then I scratch a meal and then I end up throwing the food away because it is perishable. And, you know, then I always feel bad. I'm like, oh, I need to start, you know, making room for that. But having kind of that wiggle meal where I actually am like, here is where I might have like frozen veggie patties already in the freezer that that can be a wiggle meal in and of itself. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one. We do like spaghettis or tacos, anything that you could freeze. Or I love the idea of the freezer patties of some sort though, because you're ready whenever. Yeah. That's really good. So how do you kind of get the kids to eat healthy, especially because you have girls around that age where they might not, like my son is 16 months now and Mm -hmm. he is getting to the point where he used to eat everything like kale, lettuce, whatever. And now he's kind of a little bit more picky. So how do you kind of go about, you know, getting your kids to eat those healthy meals as well? Um, so for me, first of all, I love the age 16 months. What a fun age that you're just so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, about a year and a half, I feel like they start getting those pesky opinions, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, that they do. But so for me, what was, um, I feel like most important is starting early and then staying consistent. So one of the reasons I was so passionate about baby led weaning and ended up writing my ebook on it was because it worked so well for us to introduce the girls from the start to different flavors of food, but also different consistencies and textures, because a lot of picky eating actually comes from, you know, sensation issues or texture issues versus the actual flavor. Mm. So we started with um, the real foods from the start and then just being consistent with it, I think is the biggest thing because it is, it is tiring and it is exhausting to always be prepping healthy foods. But I found shortcuts like roasting a whole bunch of vegetables at the beginning of the week. So we could have vegetables at lunch, every meal, and you know, they get that consistently without it actually being too much on my plate, but be cooking three times a day. Mm. Um, And then just as they've gone and and had their opinions on things, not turning it into a power struggle. I'm I'm really big. I think it's Ellen Satter that does the division of responsibility and eating where the mom chooses when you're going to eat and what you're going to eat. And then the child can choose if they're going to eat and how much. And that division has really stopped any struggles or power struggles from happening and worked really well in our house. And what is that book called again? I'm going to have to write that in the show notes. I think her name, and I should have looked it up beforehand. I think it's Ellen Satter or something like that. She has this whole ton of great information on it about the division of responsibility with eating with kids. Oh, I like that. No, that's a really good idea because I know that was kind of my mom's approach to us when we were growing up is um, I have three younger brothers and she'd always be like, well, this is what I made, you know, this year you're going to eat it or you're going to eat it. Like that's kind of your option. You can go, go to sleep hungry if you want. So we're like, that's exactly how it is. And that's what I stick to too. And I I get why it's easy to give in because, you know, you want your kids to eat. My littlest daughter has always been really low on the weight chart. And so I understand that fear of like, well, I want them to eat something, but I've also seen like they will eat when they're hungry and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a court order cook and uh, holding strong through that really makes a difference. No, I totally agree. I found that that's kind of worked with my son because he kind of had that spurt 
um, probably a few months ago where he would just throw everything on the floor. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to keep making different foods for you, at, you know, starting at such a young age. Cause I did baby led weaning with him as well. And, um, you know, I found that if I stick it out and if I'm eating what he's eating, which I usually do, like he has no issues with it. My husband doesn't always eat like the veggie burgers or the salads. And so he kind of will be like, no, if dad's not going to eat it, I'm not going to eat it. So I found he has a little bit more of a difficult situation on that hand. Um, yeah. but you know, I told him like, just keep feeding it to him. You know, even if you take a bite, like, and you have to spit it out, like you can. <laughs> hide it well, right? <laughs> yes. You know, but those, I think definitely help is just kind of keep reintroducing the foods and, you know, yeah. eventually, hopefully they'll kind of like it or find something that they'll enjoy. Well, I love what you said too, about just leading by example, because that's everything in parenting and really eating is no different. You know, if you put something on their plate, they're going to want what's in your bowl. So yes. that's the same thing. It makes it a lot easier. Yes. I know. And even if it's the same thing, I cut his up and I don't cut mine up. He's like, I want yours. I'm like, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, my girls do that too. I don't get it. I know. Oh, so what about snacks for kids? Like, what are some good snack ideas? Because I think I struggle with this. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, in the winter, I always like to do some roasted, I did roasted sweet potatoes and um, Brussels sprouts. And now that it's summer, it's kind of, I don't want to turn the oven on and crank it up and warm up our house even more. But what are some good ideas that you have for snacks? So when the girls were like babies, early toddler stage, one of their favorites was frozen Greek yogurt drops. So what I would do is just get whatever Greek yogurt I wanted and put it in a Ziploc bag and cut off the tip of the Ziploc bag. And then on wax paper, just make those little dots, squeeze out a little and freeze it. And those were so easy to grab and like toss on their tray while I made dinner or at any time when it was hot out because they're you know, cold and refreshing. And that was just a really fun, easy snack that I remember them liking a lot. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think nowadays, honestly, my girls aren't big snackers just because I found that that was inhibiting their ability to eat their dinner. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask next. So I have a friend who is the same way. Her son won't eat because he'll just snack all day and then won't eat a meal. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, snack foods are usually a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. so that's what we do. We do, they'd say they're hungry about three thirty or four and I'd give them a snack and then go figure they wouldn't eat their dinner. So I don't think no snacking is a rule by any means, but in our house, we don't do it as much just because of that reason. Mm. Yeah, that's good to hear. Cause I, I was kind of leaning towards that myself with my son, just because our schedule, I usually have dinner. We usually eat around five. Cause I kind of follow Ayurvedic principles and you know, that's early lighter dinners. And so we're eating earlier and they don't believe in snacking in Ayurveda. And so um, I'm still working on that as an adult because sometimes <laughs> I want a snack, but I know like, okay, if my son's getting up from his nap, like he doesn't necessarily need, you know, he just wants water and go play outside. So that's where I'm like, you know, if we're eating a snack around four and then he's eating at five, that's just really close together. So I do feel, I guess, better hearing that other parents don't, you know, do snacks as well. Yeah, like sometimes that's half the battle. Mom guilt. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, you know, they wake up from nap. Of course, the first thing you think is, oh, they need a snack. And, but I think that's just habit. Cause you know, I've got friends too, they get in the car and they get a snack and they do this. And I'm like, our kids can go for a ride without having to eat a snack. You know, they're, they're okay. I think yeah. we fall into that trap that we're so worried that, about undernourishment that we're giving them food at all times. Yeah. And a lot of the times that food is, you know, just Cheerios or whatever's easy to kind of have in the car. Mm -hmm, exactly. 
So what about um, having your kids kind of help prepare meals? Like do your girls help you with meals or cut up snacks or what is kind of the good age and what are some jobs that they can do? I don't know how much mine truly help, but they should want to be in there. <laughs> they try to help. <laughs> yeah, Haley's actually getting the age where she can help some, but I do love the idea of getting kids in the kitchen. I mean, as early as you can, you know, toddlerhood is a great time to get them in because they can start with little tasks like picking herbs, like the leaves off the stems or pushing down on the salad spinner or stirring and mixing things up. Um, one of our favorite things to do in there is actually I give them my garlic presses and either bananas or parts of avocado and let them make what we call worms. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, they push them so a lot of times they have a task in the kitchen while I'm cooking that may not be directly related to the actual meal I'm making, but um, they are smelling food and tasting food and, and are in the kitchen enjoying it. Mm. Yes, those are great. Those are great ideas. Cause I think, you know, I, right now I just have my son running around on the floor. <laughs> like he is not super interested in helping, but you know, like when he gets a, even a little bit older, he likes to dig out the bowls. So if I'm like cooking something on the stove, like he gets out my bowls that are in my cupboard and he kind of starts playing with them. And if I give him a spoon, he pretends to stir, you know? So I'm like, okay, like he's interested at least. <laughs> yeah. I love that stage. <laughs> oh. So kind of switching gears into activities that you can do with the kids. So I know like rainy day activities, you know, what are some great ideas to do in the house that, you know, you're stuck inside, like besides maybe Play-Doh, what are some other things that they can do? So one thing that's been a big hit in our house, and actually like we were just talking, even in the kitchen, my kids will play with this on the floor while I'm cooking, is making a big dry pasta bin. So we just have one of the a big... Tupperware container basically and we went to Walmart and bought a bunch of cheap pasta and dried beans mm -hmm. and mixed it all in there together and for some reason that has just been the coolest toy you know you buy all these toys <laughs> with the dried pasta but uh, I put out spoons and cups and they can sort it or pour it and hide things in it I guess um I don't know what it, what's so magical about it but they love it <laughs> that is cool so it's just like a little huge standing bin or it just sits on the floor it sits on the floor and really it's, I'm trying to describe how big it is. I mean, maybe like two feet by three feet. It's not even that big, but they, they love to play in it. My sister-in-law actually had one that was big enough that her kids could sit in it. Like it was a sandbox. <laughs> so we didn't go that big, but. That's awesome. Oh, that's a good idea. And then also one other game we love, um, really technical name here. It's called sink or float. But when it's raining, we kind of fill the bathtub up about halfway and then run around the house collecting items that we'll test to see if they sink or if they float. And it ends up filling up like a whole hour of time, which, you know, any mom to a toddler will tell you that's a decent chunk of time there. That it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll guess each one before we put it in. Will it sink or will it float? And for some reason, that's just always a lot of fun, too. That's awesome. I used to, well, I used to be a sixth grade teacher and I want to say one of the science books. So the school that I taught at, we had uh, no curriculum. So I had to come up with my own curriculum. It was a charter school and it was the first year they had sixth grade as a standalone classroom. So I had to do a lot wow. of prep work <laughs> and a lot of work went into that one year that I taught. And then I was like, mm, I like teaching, but the fitness industry is where, you know, my heart is. So I went back to that, but I did have a book and I I don't know if I kept it. Now I'm kind of kicking myself because I bet they had some great stuff in there because that game, I know I did. I don't think I did it with sixth graders, but um, I gave that game to a few of the younger ones who were in elementary school. 
And gosh, I bet there was a lot of other fun stuff in there. I know I did a bottle rocket with the kids, but that was obviously an outdoor activity, but just fun stuff like that. And now I wonder, I think I gave that book away, which is kind of a bummer, but I'm sure like some of those curriculums like that, that you could find also have different ideas for indoor stuff. Absolutely. There's a, so for preschool, we did a little um, bit of homeschool mix for preschool and um, the homegrown preschooler is a curriculum that we use. They use the word curriculum lightly because it's pretty play-based, but they had a ton of great ideas in there too, of just those kind of little activities to do, like, you know, building tinfoil boats and seeing how many pennies it'll hold and different things like that that are just really fun, easy indoor activities. Oh, I like that. So, um, you know, can we talk about homeschooling then? So you are going to homeschool uh, your girls? I We're going to start that way and we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited. <laughs> I love it. So can you tell us a little bit, like, what got you into homeschooling versus sending to tr- traditional school? Um, you know, what kind of made that switch for you? That's a great question. Um, I'm not even really sure. I think David, my husband, probably brought it up a couple years ago. Just he had heard somebody that homeschooled and, you know, we kind of started talking about it and never would I thought I would do it. But some of the pros that I see of why we kind of ended up going in that direction, at least to start, is um, to tailor the curriculum to best fit our kids is something I'm really excited about. I just know how Haley learns and I know what works for her. And so I'm really excited to kind of fit things to her personality. And then also just the freedom of scheduling that we'll have more flexibility with our time and that I just get to spend more time with them. Like it's selfish. I know that part is, but like, oh my goodness, I just love being with them and really look forward to, you know, and doing their education and the parenting kind of combined like that. Mm, That's great. Do you have any, like, um, do you go on like field trip days or do you have any of that planned or anything like that? So I'm officially starting in, in August. And so I'll be doing four days a week of, homeschooling in the mornings and then Friday is going to be our field trip explorer day you know hiking whatever that may be but I want to do a lot of outdoor time so you know right now I don't know a lot because we haven't started but I'm happy to report back in a few months (laughs) yes yeah that was something that I know I had um one of my clients homeschooled her boys and they were older I mean they were graduating high school at that point and um she had told me a resource group here in Minnesota where I am and they have like socialization, I don't know, days. And so she said when whatever age they are and they all kind of get together and do like play days with local people in the area or go on field trips all together. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Cause my husband always was like, well, if you're going to homeschool, he's like, how is he going to get social skills? And I'm like, I I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) that's everyone's first thing. I've got so many friends at homeschool. It's really interesting. Once you start looking into it, how many, like you said, you worked at a charter school mm-hmm. there's so many options now we've got great charter schools we've got great public schools we've got homeschool I've got friends that go to combination schools where it's half homeschool and half at school so it's crazy to see all Ooh. the different options and so there's so many resources available that almost the problem is that there's too much information not not enough yes and there's so much that there's just so much going on Yes. And that's where you're like, how do you pick and, you know, kind of (laughs) what works best for you. And a lot of times people don't always have time to even do the research to say, okay, this would be best. I don't even know that there was like a half at home, half at school. That's kind of cool as well. Yeah. And it's a really neat model too. So I just feel like I'm overwhelmed with great suggestions and I think we'll be out of the house a lot. So I don't worry too much about socialization. 
Yeah, no, that's what I think too. I'm like, I think they'll pick it up. I think that's something that as long as you're around other people, like that, it happens naturally. Yeah, and I, I look forward to actually her being able to socialize with lots of different ages yes. and different types of people versus just, you know, people that are down our street the exact same age as her. You know, I think it'll be a neat experience to. Yes, that, that's, that's awesome. Um, what other resources are there out there if someone's kind of interested in homeschooling? Like, how did you decide that that was something that we were going to do? Or is it dictated by each state in case someone's kind of like, where could I get more information about this? Yeah, every state is different in what they require. And I'm in North Carolina, which is actually a very homeschool friendly state. It's very easy to homeschool here. Um, to start, I would recommend reading The Well-Trained Mind. It's kind of just a good philosophy to see, you know, is this something you kind of agree with? And so I got a lot of insight from that book. And then honestly, I had a friend that homeschooled and she was the only one I knew. So I kind of latched onto her, but I found once I started pulling that string, like resources just came out of the woodworks. On Facebook, there's so many local support groups. There's so many different co-ops. And so I felt like once I started looking in that direction, I found more resources than I even knew what to do with. Yes. So that's really good to know. So in case people are looking, you know, Google, pretty much the best friend. Yeah. Or they're welcome to email me too. It's something clearly I can go on and on about. So if I can help anybody, I'd certainly love to. Perfect. And I'll put that all in the show notes where they can find you as well. So um, one of the other things I wanted to chat about is talking about motherhood and staying positive, even on the tough days. So since you are, you know, at home with your girls a lot, like there are always days where you're want to pull your hair out by the end of the day, oh, yeah. but like, how do you get through all those days and still, you know, stay positive? I really think my positivity just is grounded in gratitude. I am just so grateful for my family and for, I don't know, for my life. It sounds so cheesy when I get into it, <laughs> but I think I have like a 50% just was given this natural optimism and the other 50% is remaining, like reminding myself what I'm so grateful for. So on the days where the girls don't stop whining and I want to rip my hair out, you know, I, I take a few minutes, I put myself in timeout in the closet and I remind myself like how grateful I am that, that these are my issues. Like I've always wanted to be a mom at home with my children and I'm so grateful that I get to be. And um, just trying to keep that in mind on the tough days helps me stay mm -hmm. focused. <laughs> yes. And yeah, that's great. A mommy timeout in the closet. <laughs> oh yeah. There's been plenty of those. <laughs> well, also, I mean, I don't think you can... I cannot be a good mom without taking care of myself first. Mm -hmm. So for me, like getting up early in the morning and having my own quiet time or giving myself a time out in the closet if I need a few minutes to collect myself um, or getting a sitter if I need a sitter and really needing some time away for me because the whole, you can't pour from an empty cup. I just fully believe in that too. So making sure that there's self-care in there first makes a big difference. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. Like the, um, you know, trying to get up before the little ones, if that's like the only time you have. And that's where I kind of tell, you know, my clients for moms as well, squeezing in workouts, you know, and sometimes, you know, people feel guilty about doing that. And I'm like, well, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how best is it going to fit into your day? And, you know, that might mean getting up before the kids. It might mean while they're eating lunch, you know, you know, they might be eating and you might be doing your workout and kind of watching them and they might think it's quite amusing anyway. So like just sprinkling it in there when you can. And that's kind of the main thing is not feeling guilty about, you know, hey, I need to take a little time for me. Absolutely. I think we are just driven to give and, and pour into them so much. But 
kind of think what they want most is a happy mom. So if a happy mom means, you know, you had time to work out or get a pedicure or whatever that is, then, you know, that's, that's what's ultimately best for them too. Yes. Yeah. That's where I always, <laughs> I always know that I'm like, if I haven't went, if I went three days without getting my workout in, that's when I get a little crabby and <laughs> short fuse. And so my husband's like, okay, I, you know, go to a yoga class, go do something. You know? <laughs> I'll watch our son. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I finally kind of want to wrap up, you know, coming back around to the baby led weaning. So I know you have an ebook that is available. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it and explain what baby led weaning is for people who might not know what that is? Sure. So baby led weaning, is just a fancy way of saying that you're forgoing purees as an introduction to solid foods and instead beginning with small, I mean, they're texture appropriate and size appropriate, but they're not smashed into puree, real food for babies. And that's usually starting at about six months when they can sit up by themselves. And so the benefits, not only the flavors that they're trying, but the textures as well. And for me, it was just fun to have them be part of mealtime from the very beginning and giving them little bits of our food and just kind of having that social interaction as well. So when I was a mom and I was looking at it, I really loved the concept, but I was having a hard time finding solid information of like exactly how to do it. Mm. And that's why I ended up writing the ebook. I kind of wanted to give a background on the concept and address the common concerns that I was worried about when we first started, but then also just share like how to go about doing it and some simple recipes. I say that lightly because, you know, roasted sweet potatoes is a recipe, <laughs> but, uh, and, and just kind of give a good base on how to get started if that's something that someone was interested in as well. Mm. Yeah, that would definitely be something that I would have loved with my son too, because I kind of Googled and it didn't necessarily have like a step-by-step -step playbook. And so I kind of looked on Pinterest and would find different foods and sometimes it would have ages next to it. Sometimes it wouldn't. So I was just <laughs> like, well, I'm just guessing and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, it went fine, but yeah. having that kind of here, you know, would have been helpful to know, okay, this is safe to feed him and this is a great option you know, That's at nine months. Blogs. Yeah. I found some like just lifestyle blogs that talked about it. And I think I got the best info from those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Rather than you're like, huh. Cause I remember going back to my doctor, I think when he turned or the pediatrician, when he turned a year old and she's like, and now you can start feeding him solids and you know, he can <laughs> eat what you eat. And I was like, I told you I was, I did baby Len weaning. Like he's already been doing that. Like we are well past that. He is eating what I eat. And she's like, Oh, Oh Yes. I forgot. And I was like, oh, I, I just assumed everyone was doing it. Cause sometimes when you, when you do something, you just think that that's how everyone does it when. It's not yeah. It certainly was easier for us. I mean, I, I tell everybody now, like only half jokingly that it came out of my laziness. <laughs> I didn't have to sit there and, and spoon feed. So it actually was really a great time saver. I mean, it was messy at times, of course, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. it was I, fun to go out to eat and, um, and all that. Oh yeah. That's where my mom watched him when he was, uh, gosh, what have you have been like nine months old and for a week. And <laughs> I just remember her saying, okay, so he just, he just feeds himself. Like I don't have to do anything, you know? And cause I have a nephew that is, um, five months younger than him. And so she was just like, okay, this just seems so weird that like I'm spoon feeding one and then he's just grabbing and eating. And I'm like, yeah, like he's good. And she was impressed. He's like, oh, okay, but he can do it. I'm like, yep. Like, it's but, amazing what they're capable of from like so early on. Yes, I know the choking is the main thing that I think a lot of people get concerned with. Um, but absolutely. he didn't really have, I mean, like he would choke more like gag than anything. And then, you know, he kind of figured it out. 
Yeah. And that's what I think the biggest misconception is, is the difference between like gagging and choking because the gag reflex on their tongue when they're six months old is actually forward, more forward on the tongue. And as they get older, it moves closer to the back of the mouth. And so it's there as a safety you know, measure to make sure that they don't choke. So they do gag sometimes a little bit more easily, but it, that's actually a good thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And after you kind of go through your first couple times of that, you're like, okay, everything's fine. All right. You know, and then you kind of get used to it and then it just becomes a little bit easier. They get used to it. So if someone's, if that is someone's concern, it does get easier as it goes on. Oh yeah. I had a death grip on David's arm the first time we did it, but then <laughs> you do realize like, oh, okay. They, they're handling this just fine. Yeah. So like they're figuring it out. It's just the parents that are more like, ha. Ah. <laughs> Isn't it always? Oh, I love it. So, um, and that's at your website and your website um, is at a healthy slice of life.com. So yes. if anyone's looking for it, that's where they can find that. So my final question for you, I like to do a little weekly challenge to the listeners. So when I have guests on, I have you guys throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Ooh, let's see. A good challenge. You know, I have been enjoying my CSA, which is a community supported agriculture. So it's a box that I get every week from a local farm. And it has helped expand my cooking and my creativity in the kitchen. So I would say I would challenge everybody to pick up one new seasonal fruit or vegetable that they have not cooked with before um, this week and just use that somehow in the kitchen, whether you roast it or saute it, but um, just something you haven't done before because I think it's a lot of fun to just shake things up a little bit in the kitchen. Ooh, I like that. Yes. I would agree. I love to hone my kitchen skills and try new things. So that's a great yeah, And if you have a farmer's market, even better, because I love being able to see and talk to the farmer that I'm getting the food from because they're always super passionate about it and have a million ideas of what you can do with it. Yes. Yeah. I know I had, I try to grow a little mini garden in my yard every year. And this year I only have two things coming in because the rabbits got all of my beans and my peas and my cucumbers. Oh, I was no. so bummed. So I'm like, <laughs> small crop. I only have tomatoes and zucchini this year. So hey, those are two good ones, though. I can't yes. keep anything alive except for snap peas and tomatoes. <laughs> oh, I know. It's such a bummer. I'm like, shoot. I, we had owls in our yard, so I figured the owls would keep the rabbits away, but not this year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on today, Brittany, and sharing all of this uh, knowledge with the meal planning. And she does have a great blog. So, you know, checking out her blog, if you have kiddos and you want some different ideas, um, it's a great resource. Well, thank you. This was so much fun talking with you today. Yes. And thanks again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.